It's Michigan Week on the 11 Dubcast and everywhere else in reality. I'm Michael Citro. I am John Ginter. I am I'm ready. I'm hunkered down in my bunker and I'm ready for, you know, whatever comes our way. <laughs> Johnny, how's your hate week going so far? So, I I mean last week or last year rather, when I when we got to Michigan Week, I was like, "Man, I don't know how I feel about Michigan Week. I'm kind of down on it." And then I realized that like, you know, I felt like that around Tuesday, right? And then around Thursday or Friday, I was about ready to, like, go full Mad Max style and ride into Michigan and, like, I don't know, just, like, burn the whole place down. Like, and this happens every year because for some reason, well, I know why, but I want Michigan to be good, right? And then I kind of, I don't root for them, but I want them to, like, at least play well at the beginning part of the season. And then when Michigan weeks come, it's just, like, I want them all to just like, I don't know, some enter into some kind of Rube Goldberg machine where they like eventually like <laughs> fall into like a giant pit of like molten lava, and then that's just how I feel by Friday. So you know Tuesday, I'm I'm still pretty, I'm cooling it, I'm chill, but yeah. in the next couple of days, I'm gonna go down to DefCon One. And it's gonna get real, like real fast. So I, I'm I'm starting to feel it. I'm starting to feel. It. I get that bloodlust. I'm starting to get it. All right, well, um, let's wrap up last week before we move on. Let's talk a little bit about the Indiana game. Johnny, did we learn anything about either team other than the fact that you can't take anyone lightly? Uh, I think we learned that Tevin Coleman's pretty darn good. Um, He's bigger. I mean, that was the other thing that we needed to point out. Tevin Coleman is like a legit Big Ten running back. He's not like a scat back. We're like, oh, this guy's going to pick up 20 yards just because nobody can touch him because he's like five foot two. Uh, he's a big dude, and he was a legitimate running back. He obviously showed that on a couple of big-time runs. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's the, the only thing that I really learned is that the Ohio State run defense definitely needs to improve in the next couple weeks. But other than that, it was, you know, I don't want to say like a letdown game because there wasn't really a whole lot to let down from, but I think they might have been looking ahead a little bit. And we learned that Jalen Marshall's super sweet, I, th- I think. <laughs> If people have forgotten that from last week, I think they they hopefully relearned it because that dude has some serious talent. So that's what I learned. I don't know. Yeah, Jalen's pretty good. Um, I'm glad you brought up the run defense because here's the thing about the run defense this week. And Tevin Coleman's not just a legit back for the Big Ten. He's a legit NFL back at some point. Um, He's so much faster than he looks uh, being a big guy like that. But here's the thing is Ohio State's defense, by and large, compared to the previous two weeks, did a really good job bottling him up. And then, boom, one 90-yard play later, and, you know, he's got all kinds of yards. But, I mean, he had two huge runs, one really after the game was over. Right. And if you take those two out, not that you can, but if you took those two out, then you, you're feeling pretty good about yourself holding him to 80-some yards on 25 carries. That's a pretty good day against a back like that. Um, yeah, but, unfortunately, but you know what? I gotta tell you two breakdowns. I, I got I to gotta tell you something. I, I got to interrupt you there because I, I got to tell you something. That's actually one of my biggest pet peeves. When people say, like, take out those two runs, they happened, Michael. You can't unwind I said time. that. I, I said so, that you can't take them out. I said, obviously, you can't take I them know, out. I know, but the, the, the point is that the, they, they have, like, the Ohio State defense allowed them to happen. And, and to me, like, there's been a lot of big runs like that. I mean, you know, like, what, like Cobb, right? Like, for, or for Minnesota, like, you saw a lot of that as well. And I, I really feel like that is something that they do have to worry about because I, I worry about the defensive line's ability, especially to take care of the edge of the line and the linebackers being able to work horizontally because I saw Tevin Coleman 
consistently looked like he was bouncing outside. And if they hadn't bobbled him up, they hadn't been able to like hit him at the point of attack. And, and maybe he had been a little more slippery. I think they, they he could have even gotten more yards. So I think that's actually something to worry about, to be honest. Okay, so now you're telling me that I can't take away the two plays that, the, that Ohio State did wrong. But now you're saying if we take away the plays that they did right, he would add a lot more yards. No, not him. I, I'm <laughs> thinking about Melvin Gordon. That's what I'm worried about. Oh, I understand like, that. No, I, I think that Ohio State did, like I said, a pretty good job of, of forcing it, everything back inside to the help. Right. They didn't on the 90-yard run. He got outside. In fact, the it was a linebacker issue on that play because I don't, I'm not sure which one took the wrong gap, but one offensive tackle took out both Joshua Perry and Curtis Grant on that play. Right. He picked them both off because one of them was in the wrong spot. So that's how that play happens. And then Tyvus Powell fell for the stutter step, which he should never do as a safety. You're the deep man. <laughs> that was bad. That was real bad. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and again, Tevin, even though Tevin Coleman threw that stutter step, I thought Powell would catch him, and he didn't, which shows just how darn fast that guy is. Right. Um, he's legit back, and, and I feel better about the way that they, as a team, did you know, improved as opposed to how they did against Langford and um, Cobb. I mean, those guys piled up more of those six and seven yard runs and didn't hit a home run. Whereas, you know, Coleman didn't have a lot of big runs, but he had the ones he had were really big. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and to be fair, I mean, all of these backs that we're talking about are very, very good. I mean, the Big Ten does one thing well. It's it's definitely running backs and the running game in general. So I, I do think it is fair to point that out and say, like, you know, it's not like they're going against scrubs necessarily week in and week out. This is like three weeks in a row of really good running backs that they've had to deal with. And last year, I think they, they did a pretty good job against Melvin Gordon uh, when he had James White with him, too. So um, I thought they did pretty well last year against him when they really were not a very good defense. Right. So I think that gives me a little bit of hope. And plus, we don't know if Minnesota is going to beat Wisconsin or not this week <laughs> right. and get to the Big Ten championship right. game. That's a good point. And honestly, uh, so, that would be, wouldn't that be just like the, the perfect thing to have happen is Minnesota just upset Wisconsin and then all of a sudden you have kind of ridiculous, maybe not a letdown, but just definitely a different Big Ten championship game than I think we were all expecting. Yeah, and it's hard to beat a team twice in a year. It really is. It is, yes. Um, so here's the thing. Um, you know, if Jerry Kill wins that game, he's coach of the year. He might be anyway in the Big Ten. I, You know what? I, I Honestly, at this point, if they are at least competitive against Wisconsin, I think you have to give it to him because – Yes, they are different, you know, away from home than they are at home, and, and part of that is because they do have a nice little advantage being so far north, and you know they've got. You know what? I was actually impressed by their home crowd when we played there. I, I thought they did a really great job atmosphere-wise. I, yeah. I think he's got to be the coach of the year, and this is coming from a dude who, you know, me personally, super skeptical about his ability to continue coaching because I was like, man, if he doesn't get his health issues down, like that is. Such a hard thing to watch and to see, but it, you know he's been fine this year. He's done a great job, and you know shut my mouth because I just think yeah I'm knocking on wood right now. Yeah, I mean yeah, you're, you're right, and people love. Him. I mean he's a he's a great guy, and and people really like him as a coach. So yeah, I I would love to see him win that because I think he's definitely deserving. It's hard to dislike. It's hard to hate on Jerry. Yeah, it, is. it certainly is. Uh, but I agree with you, man. I, I had I thought that Minnesota crowd, those guys were having a good time. They are out there thinking they could win and they could make a difference, uh, you know, with their cheering and their, you know, making a lot of noise and that kind of thing. I I, I thought we need more atmospheres like that. Yeah, I agree. And and <laughs> and that was something that both DJ and I wrote about 
uh, after the game, which was the the really lack of atmosphere that Ohio State had. Uh, Ohio Stadium, I guess, more to be more specific, had yeah. against Indiana. And, and to be fair, a lot of it was due to the weather. The weather was cold and wet and windy, and it was just bleh. And then you've got, like, you know, maybe a third of the stadium showing up late because of yeah. traffic issues in I-71, and it was it was just a mess. I mean... Did you get there on time? I did. We live pretty close, and we were able to take Olatangi and take some back roads, and it wasn't that difficult. But if you were trying to go on the highways, I mean, forget about it. That would have been awful. So... Yeah. 315 was bad. Pretty much everything was bad going into it. Um, you know, and we had great seats. I mean, you know, my girlfriend and I were at the on the 40 yard line. You know, it was on a deck, so it was it was sweet. Um, nice. But yeah, it just it wasn't the boisterous atmosphere that you want. And maybe it's because people are looking ahead a little bit to Michigan. But you know, it it, it could have been better. The music selection was obviously just straight bad. I mean, I literally counted Sandstorm. <laughs> they played Sandstorm at least seven times during the game. Yeah, did you hear did you hear Ohio State's sort of pseudo explanation for that? That they, they said that they they were worried about the late arriving crowd that wouldn't be loud and they were trying to compensate for that and, and it's like, okay, but you still played crappy music. Yeah, that's the know? point. Like you can compensate it with good music. You could yeah. play Sandstorm, but like maybe once, right? Like just to remind people that Sandstorm exists. You don't need to do it seven times. Like after the first couple times, like I get it. Crappy Euro techno trash from the 90s happened, okay? Thank you for reminding me. Let's move on. I don't need it seven times. Um, <laughs> or, I mean, hit me baby one more time. Okay, that that was cool when I was 14 years old, I guess. But again, no. just one of those things where maybe, you know, it, it's nice to have it like a reminder. Like, oh, yeah, we're stupid. We, we like crappy music temporarily and then move on to the music people are currently enjoying like and that was the thing that i pointed out in my post i was like you know we've got to have an identity as a football team right like every football team needs an identity well every stadium needs an identity too like a high stadium shouldn't just default into generic crap because we've got a big stadium like find a theme for the kind of music you want to play right I don't care if it's like local rap or like you know like weird country funk what i don't give a crap just find something that fits for the culture of Ohio Stadium and kill it, all right? Just just kill it. Just get something good in there that is recognizable as this is the kind of stuff that we do in Ohio Stadium, and people will respond to that. Um, I'm, okay with just, uh, I'm okay with them just shutting the hell up and letting the band play at every stoppage. Yeah, well, and that too. I mean, and that's the other thing. Like, the music should never supersede the band because the band is the band, and they're, you know, oftentimes as much an attraction as the football team is. So I agree with that as well, and they were definitely like, they were definitely playing the music to overkill on Saturday. That was that was a little ridiculous. With that said, I'm, I don't think you will see the same kind of atmosphere on Saturday. I think it'll be much improved. Uh, so that brings us, of course, back around to Hate Week and the Michigan rivalry. Yes. And Johnny, is there anything more dangerous than a Michigan team with absolutely nothing to lose that's been terrible all season long? <laughs> no, except yes, because. I really want to answer this in the negative. I want to say, no, they're terrible. Screw Michigan. I don't care <laughs> what the game is. The quote-unquote, it's the game. The rivalry means we're all good. No, I want to say, screw that, right? I want to say, they're a bad team. You've got to be logical and objective in life, and that has to start with the Michigan game. You cannot freak out about it. But i got to tell you something, Michael. That's how I felt last year. And last yeah. year, I was 100,000% certain that this was going to be just a horrible destruction. Brady Hoke was just going to, like, sob into his, you know, into his shirt 
and it was just going to be a disgusting, awful game uh, for Michigan. And it wasn't. They almost beat us. We had to stop them right. on a two-point conversion, which, by the way, I completely respect Brady Hope for going uh, on that. If there's one thing, and, and believe me, there really probably is only one thing that I respect him for, it's <laughs> going for it on, on, uh, you know, on the two-point conversion. But um, yeah, on paper, again, this should not be a close game, right? It's at home. Right. Michigan's offense is garbage. Um, their defense is good. Their defense is legitimately good. Uh, Madison has been working pretty well. But I want to say this is going to be a blow. I don't know that it will be. And, and I think if there's one thing Brady Hoke has been able to do with his team is to get them fired up for the Ohio State game. And we'll see how they play. I don't know. I mean, he's basically a dead man walking, but maybe they come out with headbands. I don't know. I don't know. So we're going we're gonna to have to find out and, and see how it works out. That's right. Hoke is one and two against the Buckeyes. Barely defeated the worst team in our lifetimes. Right. Uh, in 2011, and that's because Braxton Miller overthrew a wide open receiver late in the game. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's the only reason, uh, really. Uh, but then, a close game in Ohio Stadium two years ago, in which really there were a lot of dumb plays, like the one where Denard Robinson had two guys bounce off him and he ran 50 yards yeah. for a touchdown. But that's, that's kind of what Denard like Robinson that. does, right? Like that's, yeah, that's yeah. And, 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 and in all fairness, in the second half of that game, Ohio State didn't let Michigan cross midfield. Right. So the second half was kind of take care of business on defense, got a little conservative on offense, only kicked a couple of field goals, but they got some a little bit of breathing room. And then last year's game, it looked like Ohio State was about ready to put the shootout away, and then Carlos Hyde fumbled like for the first time, I think, all season long <laughs> right. and gave Michigan an extra possession. They ended up taking advantage of it. And uh, next thing you know, you're holding on for, for dear life at the end of the game for a two-point conversion that, uh, you know, with the interception sealing the game. But, you know, these games always have made me nervous because I grew up in the middle and went to school in the middle of the John Cooper era where it didn't matter how much better than Michigan Ohio State was in any given year they couldn't freaking beat them yeah and that still is is a, a flaw in my psyche i'm still i'm damaged from that johnny well, I guess I'm, I'm mentally damaged and that's what i grew up with dude like i you know i was born in 85 so my formative years were sitting there and just watching ohio state blow it every single freaking year and I was the kid who really, really rooted for Ohio State. Like, I wasn't a huge Ohio State fan in general until I was, like, a teenager. But when I was a little kid, I always thought that Ohio State represented the state of Ohio. I was like, well, that's my team. They're literally playing for me. And I know that's not really the case, but I've always kind of carried with uh, that with me throughout my whole life. And it was infuriating to me because I grew up in southwestern Ohio and there are tons of like these anti-Ohio State contrarians. Brady Hoke is one, by the way, um, yes. who root for Michigan simply because it's, you know, like, yeah, that's Ohio State's lame. I want to be cool. I want to root for Michigan. I like the helmets. And I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> so anyway, there'd be all these kids at school who are like Michigan fans. They'd wear Michigan gear. And I just want to punch them in the throat. But the, the worst thing was uh, was growing up and going to school, and almost every year as a kid, I had to just eat it, right? Like, after yeah. every Ohio State Michigan game, I just had to deal with it. And it sucked. It made me so mad, and it was just the worst thing ever uh, for a kid who wants to get into football and thinks football's cool. Um, so that's why I'm, like, relishing the last, like, decade or so, right? Because I, I have no remorse. I have no, like, concern for Michigan because they stole my childhood. 
Michael. Yes. And I want it back. <laughs> so I'm cool with this winning streak. Now, eventually, maybe it'll be good for the rivalry overall if it evens out. But, man, I'm still riding that wave. I don't give a crap anymore. Like, fine, let's beat the crap out of them forever. As far as Yes. I, I, I say, when I say death to Michigan, I don't mean it lightly. I mean, you know, I you go to war. Them dead. You, you, you go to war to annihilate your opponent, and then you move on to the next one, you know? Right. Then, then it's Wisconsin's turn or somebody else's. You know? And honestly, right now, we're, we're their angel of mercy this year because there are lots of Michigan fans who I'm sure would love for us to beat the crap out of them because yeah. that means that they could definitively once and for all say that we will not have Brady Hoke as our coach next year. And yes. if, there's, if there's ever been a guy who's a dead man walking, uh, at least since the last dead man walking, um, it's definitely Brady Hoke. So I think we would definitely be doing them a favor. So maybe we shouldn't win. Oh, I don't know. No, we should win. No, we should win. We should win. Uh, so anyway, there you have it. Uh, hate week. We're going to have more about that coming up. But let's get to Ask Us Anything, John. Yes, let's do it. Uh, uh, tell everybody how they can ask us anything. You can ask us anything in a variety of ways. Um, you can send us an email. That's dubcast at 11warriors.com. Is that right? Did I get that right? Yeah, that's right. Finally, I got it right. All right, so D-U-B-C-A-S-T at 11warriors.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter. My handle is Johnny11W, and Michael's is 11W underscore Michael. That's right. Or you can get us on Twitter at, at oh, 11Dubcast. That's, right. that's right, 11Dubcast, yeah. at 11Dubcast. I highly recommend that you guys uh, do that. That's that's our new – Follow the Dubcast on Twitter, folks. Yeah. Um, and it's spelled out, E-L-E-V-E-N-D-U-B-C-A-S-T. Yep. So, Johnny, our first question – I think this was a Halloween question we didn't get to <laughs> – What's the second best mascot to eat in candy form after a Buckeye? <laughs> Comes to us from JW. Uh, second best mascot to you. Uh, UC Santa Cruz banana slug. Okay. You, you can have some. You can have some laffy taffy, some yellow laffy taffy, and pretend that it's uh, the banana slugs. Yeah, or you know anything called the bears. You could have gummy bears. Oh yeah, there you go. That'd be good. Yeah. So thanks for the question, Jay. Sorry we didn't get to it last week. Um, <laughs> leftover, leftover. Or like a month her, ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, this was coming on the 18th, so I guess it wasn't um, it wasn't a uh, Halloween leftover, but it seems like one. All right, fair enough. Uh, okay, so Jason Crutchfield has you know a question that's near and dear to your heart. Um, he says you've got um, "Hit Me Baby" one more time after a big hit. Or any Nickelback song when we go to five defensive backs. You have to choose one of those two songs to play in the shoe. You're in charge of the music, and your boss is giving you those two options. What do you do, Johnny? Are you kidding me? Hit me, baby, one more time. Every time. Come on. That's not even close. That's that's the easiest question I've ever been asked. I will never play Nickelback for as long as I live. Like, like Nickelback is like the theme music to Hitler's, like, losing his virginity. Like, it, it's the worst, right? Like, Nickelback is just the worst music <laughs> in the history of the universe. I will play Hit Me Baby one more time, infinity amount of times, uh, before I will play Nickelback a single time. Screw that. Yeah, I'm, I'm down on the Nickelback as well, uh, but I think in that situation, I break the PA system and force the band to play, and uh, I don't play either of those selections. <laughs> and I, that's, that's a cheat, but you know what? I am a big Star Trek fan, and uh, just like James T. Kirk uh, cheated the Kobayashi Maru, right. I am uh, I'm cheating the question here. I, I don't like way to win, as we all know. That's right. Uh, so there's one more question. This is a uh, an email question. Ooh, excellent. And uh, so this one comes to us from our our good question friend Gregory Metz. Uh, and actually, there's two questions on here. 
you mentioned thebomb.com last week. <laughs> I'm not sh- I don't remember doing this, but apparently we did. I probably said have you something guys, to that effect. <laughs> have you guys thought about naming uh, thebomb.com 11 Dubcast Player of the Week each week? I think that would be most excellent. Well, we should do that. I, I think we should have a Player of the Week. I, I think it's pretty obvious as to who it was last week. I mean, Jalen Marshall... M. Tizzle represent um, definitely kind of took it. I mean, he scored four straight touchdowns. Uh, I, I think he would definitely be the MVP. He is the bomb.com. <laughs> yeah, Jalen Marshall was definitely the bomb.com. Uh, but to answer the question, we have not thought about naming the bomb.com 11 Dubcast Player of the Week each week. But thanks for the question. I don't know what the bomb.com uh, is. It just rhymes. That's why I like it. Yeah, I don't know what it is either, and I don't even think we really mentioned it, but I could be wrong because we say stupid things all the time. That's true. Uh, Question two from Gregory. How long will it be before Jameis Winston just shivs an official in the back so that he can run a play when he wants to run one, and how quickly will the ACC head of officiating apologize for one of his officials being in the way of Jameis's shiv? (laughs) How do you know Jameis Winston hasn't already done that? How do we know? Yeah, if if you're not familiar, if this is a confusing question for you, well, it's because Jameis Winston basically shoved an official out of the way who was letting the defense substitute. And last I heard, shoving an official is a penalty. Yeah. Well, uh, and it's a 15-yard penalty. And he didn't just bump against him lightly or accidentally. He intentionally shoved the ref out of the way to where he, he would have fallen down had he not like leaned against a, a, an offensive lineman. So, um, but to be fair to Jameis Winston, I got I got nothing. That's I, I yeah. Jameis I, Winston, he's a horrible person. So I don't I don't want yeah. I don't know. I have, I've got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> he's a bad person. Bad person. Uh, Gregory Metz. Uh, we don't know how quickly that will happen. I mean, he's probably already done it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, thanks for the questions. And again, you can uh, hit us up dubcast at elevenwarriors.com or hit us up on the twitters. 11 Dubcast is very, very pleased to bring you a brand new segment starting this week with our good friend Matt Finkus, former Ohio State defensive lineman. Matt is joining us for Finkus on Football every week here during the season. Matt, thanks for joining us on 11 Dubcast. Yeah, thanks, guys. I'm excited about this. So, Matt, I'm assuming that you want to talk a little bit about Ohio State-Michigan, but it, this is your segment, so you decide. What do you want to talk about tonight? <laughs> yeah, let's go Ohio State-Michigan. I mean, you know, I just came from a, from a fundraiser where we, where we had Michigan guys there on the, uh, on the platform with us, and we're talking, going back and forth, telling stories. And, I mean, obviously for me, it's, it's a little heartbreaking. You know, I've got, I've got probably two of the top three losses in Ohio State history to Michigan. I mean, I, I think that probably only the 69 loss would rank above our 95 and 96 losses as far as, you know, devastating losses to fandom. And, you know, it, it, it's funny because I was reading a tweet earlier today, and, and I think it was 11 Warriors who sent it out, that there's a, there's a whole generation that doesn't know what it's like to have their heart broken against Michigan. I mean, and that's a very – when someone – when I saw that, I, I immediately started to get scared. Because it almost happened last year, and we have so much riding on this year that I just I that ninety five ninety six immediately flashed in my, into my mind. And do I think Michigan's any good? No, they're not. I mean, Brady Hoke is is, is not a good coach. Uh, their, their offensive line is horrible. Devin Gardner is, is not a a good Division three quarterback. Uh, their defense <laughs> has been playing better, but but it's still not up to par. And they're they're not as bad as those teams that that we lost to, but you've got to look at what happened last year and and just you know the the amount of, of points they were able to score, 
and, and, and it, it, for some reason, it does scare me. I mean, and, and now, again, we have so much to, to look forward to. Uh, starting to get back into the national conversation with the, with the football playoff, uh, I expect, and I was, in, I was at the facility earlier this week talking to the guys, I mean, I, I think that what you're going to see, especially defensively, is a group that is going to be pissed off. I mean, they're, they're, it's a group that's, that's going to be angry about what happened last year and that they're, they're going to look to rectify that. I mean, and they've, they've had some rough outings here even lately, you know, giving up the rushing yards to Minnesota into Wisconsin. But I, I really think that, that you're going to see an angry, angry football team when they show up on Saturday afternoon. I want to tell you something. Yeah, Matt. You, you want to hear something really scary, just to go back again on the first thing that you said? So I'm a high school teacher, right? There are yeah. high school freshmen who were born in 2000 and 2001. Okay? <laughs> like, their whole <laughs> lives, the entire yeah, lives have been Ohio State just crushing Michigan. And I got to tell you something. I share that same anxiety that you have, right? Because yeah, I, I, mean, it's, I remember. It's, it's, I remember. But – Oh my God! Like a lot of these kids are like, yeah, Ohio State's gonna be Michigan. That's what they always do. And I'm like, man, it is not that easy. It is not that easy. <laughs> I mean, and there's been great, great football teams, not just those teams in the '90s, but you know, you go back to the to the tie in '73. You know, I mean, and how good that football team was. I mean, and again, you go back to '69 and, and that loss, which is probably the top one uh, all time. Uh, I mean, you go back to, to some of those games, I think it was uh, 53 or 54, where Ohio State had a championship-caliber team and, and lost to Michigan. So, I mean, yeah, there, there is that group that doesn't see it, but, I mean, it's it's real. And for those of us who have lived through it, I mean, it's it's traumatic to the, to the point of, you know, I mean, it, it's it's shell shock. I mean, you you don't understand the thinking behind how how it can be, how people can be so cavalier. Like, ah, yeah, Michigan sucks, we're going to beat it by 30. Well, yeah, I thought in 96 we were going to beat them by 30. I thought in 95 we were going to beat them by, you know, we were 20-point favorites going into that game. I mean, it's it's that, you know, it's that flashback of, of you know, your your dad hit you in the back of the hand when you did something wrong. I mean, it's, 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 you, you you physically flinch when you when you get into in, into these kind of games. And anyone who lived through those, those teams in the 90s know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, Matt, you're right. I mean, I, I – you know, I kind of grew up with Earl Bruce and then John Cooper. And under Earl, it was sort of 50-50. And then under John Cooper, we just couldn't seem to beat that team up north. And so, you know, I'm enjoying this current run because I remember what it was like to have superior teams that couldn't, you know, close the deal against Michigan. What is it about a rival, a rivalry game that allows one team that's, that's clearly inferior on the field to suddenly rise up and give the favorite so many problems? You know, I mean, I, I think it's when when you talk about um, the escalation of play. Now, I mean, when you, when you get in the NFL, you know, the playoff games become a little faster and a little more intense and a little more heated. You know, I mean, the, the, the big games are, are you're a little bit more focused. And, you know, I mean, it, it really is a matter of finding that that extra something within you that you didn't know that was there. I mean, and, and that's what playing in a rivalry game is all about. I mean, you, you play – uh, if you're good, you become great. If you were great, you become fantastic. If you were average, you become good. And and that's what, what a rivalry game brings to you. I mean, the, the body works in mysterious ways, and adrenaline is a is a powerful, powerful tool. And, you know, most of the time it's a very short-lived tool, but when you there's something about these rivalry games where you, you focus in and, and you're able to hone in and you're able to, to eliminate some of the mistakes that you would normally make. And, you know, 
in college football as well, and I think more in, in rivalry games than at any other time, momentum is king. And, and momentum can be that wave that you ride into the shore, or it can be that avalanche that absolutely buries you. And, and that, that being true in normal games, it just seems like it is, it's exponentially true when you talk about rivalry games. When, when things start to not go your way, that avalanche just comes harder and faster and stronger. And when you're on the upside of that, uh, of that wave, it, it, it seems like nothing can stop you. And, you know, that momentum to me is one of the most powerful things in sports. And it's one of those that's the intangible thing that you can't put a finger on of why. I mean, you, I, I go back to the, to the Nebraska game in 2011, where I think we were up 28 points. And mm-hmm. the minute Nebraska got within 14, I, I remember this vividly because I was waiting to do the postgame show at Channel 6. I turned to Doug LaFell and I said, we're losing this game. This game's over. I mean, it, it's not even going to be close. We're, we're it's not going to be a nail biter. We're going to lose this game. And he looked at me he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's, it's done. It's over. We're, we're, we're done playing. They've got the momentum. They're going to score two or three more touchdowns before we can even bat high. And you can know that that's happening. I mean, and it is so powerful in sports. And then I think you saw it last year, a Michigan team that was, 20, I wouldn't even say 20, 10% more talented than the group that they had there wins that game by a touchdown because they had all the momentum almost the entire game. And yeah, we had little parts of it that, that broke and we were able to keep scoring to break it, to, to break it up, but they continued to have the momentum through, through much of that game. And that's what is, is so uh, scary about when you get into rivalry games, because momentum is a killer in games and in rivalry games, it's just exponential. So. Yeah, I mean, so so knowing that, I mean, what does Ohio State have to do on Saturday then? Like, what's, what's maybe the two or three things that they absolutely are going to have to do uh, to put this game on lockdown and, and get out with the win? The first thing they've got to do, they've got to start fast like they've been doing. And the second thing that they've got to do is they can't let up off that fast start. We've seen it in the last two or three games. I mean, you go back to Michigan State, you go back to, to the – uh, to the Minnesota game, and you go back to the Indiana game. You get up to a fast start, and then they, they just take take a quarter off and, and let the other team back in the game. This is a game where it's not Indiana and it's not Minnesota. You can't let a Michigan team, I don't care how bad they are, I mean, Devin Gardner has made a lot of plays against Ohio State. I mean, he's, he's a quarterback that is good enough to keep both teams in the game, but against Ohio State, it seems like some most of the time he's able to make plays. They can't if they get up and they get that initial jump, they can't let that team back in. And, and that's the thing that, that's got to be fixed going forward with this football team. That initial let up, and I think it's because they're young. I mean, it, it, the hardest thing to do is when you're a young player, know how to get on cruise control. And, and I say that because every player does. When you play Iowa or when you play Purdue and you get up three touchdowns, you can go on cruise control and still win the football game. But as a senior, you know that. As a junior who's played for two years, you know that. As a sophomore, you don't know what that level of, of effort is that you need to put forth to, to make sure that you're staying on top of the football game. And I think that's what we've seen the last three weeks of this team following through. I think, secondly, they've got to run the football effectively. And they've, and they've got to – I think more than anything that we've seen out of these last couple games, they've got to continue to have the confidence in JT Barrett where we really started to, to uh, have some struggles at times is, is where uh, Tom Herman and Urban Meyer 
see that freshman JT Barrett and start to shy away from him. I mean, I thought it was fantastic in that game uh, that he came back and, and was, was playing and looked really rusty in the first half. I believe it was against Maryland. Uh, but they left him in and let him run a lot of plays to get to shake off that rust and to get that out of him after that after he tweaked his knee. He needs that confidence. He's a guy that's going to get better as the game goes on, and they can't go away from him and let him lose that rhythm. They need to, to throw to get him into a rhythm, and they need to keep him into a rhythm. And to do that most effectively, they need to establish the run And because I think everything comes off of the play action for this football team. Uh, if, if they do those two things, I think the defense is going to be fired up enough Michigan's offensive line is absolutely horrible. I mean, horrible. Like, I could probably still line up and maybe get a sack against them, and I'm 39 <laughs> years old. Um, but Joey Bosa should have a field day, and I think Larry Johnson is probably doing one of the best coaching jobs I've seen in a long time of an assistant coach in the scheme that they're running is, and, and moving him around. And I know Luke has, has had his hand in that as well. But when you've got uh, – when you lose a Noah Spence, that allows an offense to really shift – their protections to those other three guys. They just they haven't gotten the production out of Steve Miller that they that they need to get out of him. And offenses know that and they can shift the protection to 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 put five guys on those three. To to put five guys on Michael Bennett and Adolphus Washington and Joey Bosa. And you're gonna win five on three battles a lot of time and then leave Steve Miller one on one if you're gonna if you're gonna keep six in. But they've done a great job of moving Joey Bosa around, moving the line stunts putting him and Adolphus on the same side and running twists and line stunts with him that has gotten him freed up. I mean, a lot of these sacks you see, he comes in, he's untouched because the, the offensive line is confused by the look that they're getting or by the stunt that they're getting. So I think if they continue to do that and, and to put pressure, uh, I mean, the, the perfect game plan is getting up by two or three touchdowns and then forcing Michigan to throw the ball because you know Devin Gardner is going to be uh, is going to give the ball up. The, the one cautionary thing that I think that Michigan has the advantage at and it's going to be a matter of whether they can exploit it or not, is their tight ends are, are a matchup problem for our safety, and even for our linebacking core. Uh, Funches and, and, and Butt are, are a matchup nightmare for our safeties who aren't used to covering. Um, you know, Von Bell is a tackler. I think he's established that. Titus Powell is more of a cover guy, but physically that, that's a mismatch for him. So if, if Michigan is able – to work the tight ends in a two tight end set. And I expect to see him come out in a lot of two tight end, try to run, but try to throw out of that two tight end set as well, because that will be a matchup problem. And, and how Ohio State deals with that will really be, to me, the key on defense. All right, Matt. Um, I know before we, uh, before we get out of here, I know you wanted to talk about a little bit about the national championship picture and the playoff picture. Uh, what are your thoughts? Ohio State still ranked sixth in tonight's uh, rankings. What are your thoughts on how this thing all shakes out? You know, I think it's right now Ohio State is in a great position. I, I really believe that if we've learned anything from the selection committee and, and the way that they've come out with, uh, with a lot of these rankings over the past couple of weeks, it's that they really value quality wins. I mean, that, that is the one thing that they put a, a lot of emphasis on. The, the close wins to inferior teams, they don't put a lot of weight to that. I mean, if they did, Florida State would probably be ranked 15th. Uh, you know, I mean, Mississippi State has, has uh, you know, the, the win against Kentucky that was uh, basically a seven-point win. TCU didn't really get hurt by that Kansas win. So I don't think we need to worry about those wins being close against Indiana and, and even if this is semi-close against Michigan. The season for Ohio State is going to hinge on getting the, a Wisconsin team in the Big Ten championship game that's a top 
10 top 12 team. Uh, I think that TCU, there's no quality win left on their schedule. I think if you look back at their, at their schedule, they, they have the same win against uh, Minnesota that we have. And they have a, I think it's Oklahoma is, is their quality win on their schedule. Ours is Michigan State. Uh, they don't have another opportunity for a quality win. I think they play Iowa State this week. Uh, or, I'm sorry, the, the last week of the season. And, and they play uh, Kansas maybe this week. So they don't have another opportunity for a quality win. Ohio State does. Mississippi State, while they do have the opportunity for a quality win against uh, Ole Miss, they won't be playing in their conference championship team. They're going to finish second in their division. I just have a hard time believing that that committee is going to put a team who really, when you look at Mississippi State's resume at the end of the year, doesn't have a whole lot of uh, – they don't have that top 10 quality win. No one in their, on their schedule is going to be ranked in the top 10 or top 12 at the end of the season. Uh, that's, you've got LSU is going to be a, a three- or four-loss team, uh, Auburn a three- or four-loss team. Uh, Texas A&M, a four-loss team. None of those teams are going to be in that top ten at the end of the season like Michigan State is to have that quality win up there, and they won't have the chance to get one in an SEC championship game. So for that reason, I think if Wisconsin wins, and, and Buckeye fans should be rooting for Wisconsin, as much as we don't want to see Melvin Gordon with the way that our rush defense has played the last couple of weeks, you want to see that good quality Wisconsin team come in ranked 10th, 11th, or 12th and be able to beat them and I think that we will. I mean, I can't explain it, but we play Wisconsin run, de- uh, run defense against Wisconsin exceedingly well. For whatever the case may be, we seem to be able to do that really well. I think if that plays out, we're going to be that fourth team in the college football playoffs. All right, Matt. Well, um, that was it for Finkus on football. That was a, a really uh, a good first, uh, you know, a really good debut for Finkus on football. Yeah, that was awesome. And, uh, <laughs> We'll we'll see uh, you know how it goes this Saturday, and we'll, of course uh, we'll be back uh, next week to talk about the Michigan game and to look ahead at the Big Ten championship game. So uh, thanks for being with us, and thanks for doing this segment with us on the Dubcast. And uh, you'll be able to hear Matt's thoughts every week here during the season on uh, Finkus on football. Thanks so much, Matt. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, and uh, it, it's going to be fun here uh, next couple weeks till we get out of this. No kidding. That's right. Absolutely. Have a great night. All right, you guys too. We'll talk to you soon. All right, bye-bye. Joining us now on the 11 Dubcast, very, very special guest. We are pleased to bring you former Ohio State quarterback Craig Krenzel, now with the Arthur Krenzel Let Insurance Group in Dublin. Craig, thanks for being on the Dubcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Look, uh, I think we want to first off say, um, you know, it's Michigan week, big rivalry week, and we we wanted to you know, you on the show and get your thoughts on Michigan. Uh, but before we get to that, I have to say thank you for the national championship. It's only you. Yeah, I was going to say, I will say you're welcome, uh, but I will, I will <laughs> make sure that I preface it with, uh, with the kind of the notion that I am saying you're welcome on behalf of, uh, you know, about a hundred other guys that, uh, <laughs> took part in that special year and had a lot to do with it. So uh, you're welcome on behalf of uh, the entire O2 team. <laughs> um, so uh, first off, I want to ask about uh, Michigan week in general, because um, I know different coaches have done things differently. Was Jim Tressel any different for Michigan week than he was for, you know, any other like Indiana or Iowa or any other team? 
Uh, a little bit. I mean, obviously, when, when Michigan week rolled around, um, you know, that was a game that was very important to, to Tress. He understood the rivalry. Um, he understood the importance of that game. He understood that, uh, you know, there were a handful of teams in the, uh, in the 90s where uh, the Buckeyes had uh, one of the best teams, if not the best team in the country, and slipped up in that Michigan game. And, uh, you know, he definitely understood the magnitude of the importance of the game. Um, the, the respect for the Michigan football program that uh, that you need to have as a Buckeye, so you uh, you know you can be prepared to go out there and play your best, and and that all came into came into play. And in terms of you know being different that week, uh, um, you know you could definitely tell. I mean, the whole facility, the Woody Hayes facility, would be decked out in amazing blue, and there'd be um, you know, signs and banners from, from schools, elementary schools, and people all across the state of Ohio, um, you know, wishing the team good luck and signed from, you know, a, a third-grade classroom in Gehanna. And <laughs> and then the other thing that, uh, um, you know, that you can tell Tress, uh, you know, definitely understood the magnitude and the importance of that game is uh, there was always a, a play. There was always kind of a trick up his sleeve, something that, you know, we'd practice – uh, all throughout the season, and uh, wondering, you know, hey, are we going to run it against Illinois? Are we going to run it against Wisconsin <laughs> on the road? And and uh, you know, never knowing when that play was going to get called, and then lo and behold, uh, you know, it, it find its way into the game plan finally that uh, that last game in November. Yeah, w- one of the things that I want to again thank you personally for is is uh, saving my childhood. Um, <laughs> so I, I grew up in the '90s, and I experienced. Uh, those losses just year after year after year growing up in south, uh, southwestern Ohio. Um, here's the thing. I, I really congratulate you for taking the, the personal hit of being from Michigan and coming to Ohio State uh, and, and being as successful as you were. Was that ever a problem going back home and, and having to deal with people who were like diehard maybe fans and, and kind of giving you the business, or did that not really come about so much? No, it really never came into play. Um, you know, I, I think uh, – you know, I think that might be a little bit of a kind of a slap in my face is that maybe I wasn't, uh, you know, a highly enough touted recruit, uh, for, for them to really care. I mean, I caught, I caught some flack when I, when I chose to, uh, to commit to Ohio State, uh, my junior year in high school. And, you know, definitely people around me that were Michigan fans were, you know, giving me a, a hard time, but in a joking fashion. You know, the people that I was around and the people that, you know, my coaches, teammates, friends, um, you know, they were, uh, you know, very supportive of the decision, understanding that, uh, you know, what a great opportunity it was for, um, you know, for somebody in our league to, uh, to have a chance to go play at a place like Ohio State. And, you know, other teams, um, and, you know, we played games my senior year uh, after I committed spring in my junior year. Um, didn't really get much from any of the other guys around the league that we played against because, um, none of them had offers that were going any place like Ohio State, so uh, you know they, they really couldn't run their mouth. But uh, you know, for me, it was uh, it just it the right place, and it was it was an easy, easy decision there to make uh, in the spring of '98 to, uh, to decide to accept uh, Coach Cooper's invitation to, to be a Buckeye, and uh, you know, on so many levels in my life, obviously. Um, on the field, uh, professionally, after, in my careers, um, you know, my family life. Um, you know, I, I am uh, extremely blessed and thankful that I, I made that decision to uh, to come down from the state of Michigan and uh, finally wake up and see the light. 
Craig, with the uh, with Michigan obviously uh, being a big focus every year um, and being the final game of the season, uh, I'm certain that that um, you know there was a lot of time spent preparing for it and all that uh, as there is every week. But when you get on the field on Saturday against Michigan, I've been told this by many players. Maybe you can articulate this. It feels different than other games. Is there something you can uh, tell us about the Michigan game in particular and how it's different? Uh, I mean, I, I think there's a couple things. One, it, um, you know, obviously the importance of the rivalry traces back to the history and success of, of both of these programs, uh, the Buckeyes and the Wolverines. And, you know, you can go down the line and you can look at national titles, you can look at Heisman's, you can look at legendary coaches, uh, you can look at you know, two of the largest stadiums in all of, co- in all of college football and, um, you know, iconic fight songs. And you can go on and on and on. Um, so the first thing that I always, um, you know, kind of took away from the Ohio State Michigan game is um, the respect that I always had for the guys across from me, uh, because you knew, uh, I knew what it took to to be a Wolverine. I knew uh, what it took to, to become a Buckeye and the hard work and the sacrifice and you know what it meant to wear the scarlet and gray. And Michigan has that same tradition. You now they're, you know, they're struggling right now, and it's fun to watch. Um, but historically, <laughs> historically, uh, you know, they're they're a top program in all of college football, and uh, you know, you can't refute that. So, especially when when we were um, playing, you know, they had they had owned us in the '90s, and um, you know, my first start, we go to Ann Arbor and get our first win up there, in, I think 14 years. And then the following year, in '02, we had a chance to uh, to, to cap an undefeated season and kind of get that Tim the Buckeyes beat Michigan when it counts uh, monkey off our back. And um, you know, all of that stems from um, the respect that I had for for a great program, great players, great coaches. Uh, so when the first ball kicked off, or when we would get our first possession offensively, you knew it was going to be a battle. Uh, you knew it was going to be a physical hard-fought, um, you know, just smash-mouth. Uh, there'd be some, some talking going on, but there'd be a whole heck of a lot more hitting. So with all that uh, being said and, and with all that being known, like, what would you tell a guy like JT Barrett who is, you know, first year starting, he's, he's now, like, entering into his first big the game of his career? I mean, what, what do you tell a guy like that? Uh, what would I tell JP? I'd tell JP, these guys are terrible. You better go win by 40. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you know I, I think uh, the, the single best piece of advice um, that I've ever gotten when it comes to the game of football, it doesn't matter what game you're going into, uh, was from my older brother. Uh, my, my brother Brian is five years older than I am, and uh, when I was in high school or just finishing middle school and going into high school, I had a chance to watch him. He went and played college football um, at Duke. And, you know, I had a chance to go down and we'd visit. You know, I'd play a game on a Friday night in high school and jump in the car with my parents, drive all through the night to go catch his noon game the next day in, in Durham, North Carolina. And uh, when I committed to Ohio State and started talking to my brother about college football, what does it take, all this kind of stuff, I'll never forget when he, he told me one time, he said, you know, but the one thing you always got to remember is when it's all said and done, it's just a game. You know, go out there and work hard, but, but you always got to have fun. And, you know, for me, 
that was a piece of advice that stuck with me throughout my entire career. Uh, you know, through the rest of high school, through college, through um, you know my NF my short NFL career uh, was you know regardless of how good things go on the field or, or how bad things go on the field in a certain series, a certain play, a certain game, um, you know it's it is just a game. So. You know, to me, that was the best piece of advice. So if I could give, you know, JT a piece of advice, it's, you know, work hard, prepare hard this week. Uh, but, you know, when you get that opportunity uh, Saturday afternoon in the shoe uh, with the chance to make a, a statement in the game, um, you know, take advantage of that opportunity. Just but, but take a moment, look around that stadium, realize how lucky you are, smile, uh, and just go out and have some fun. Now, obviously, you don't have fun in football unless you're winning. Uh, so part of that, just go out and have fun, obviously assumes that you're going to go out and play well and assumes that you're going to go out and uh, beat or dominate the team across from you. Um, all of the things that, that I think J.T. Barrett and this offense and this Buckeye, uh, Buckeye team are capable of on Friday, or Saturday, rather. All right, Craig, uh, one more question before we let you go. Um, Ohio State-Michigan games – do you have a standout moment or or play that that you still you know look back fondly on uh, from your time at Ohio State? Um, yeah, you know I think the, the play that um, you know for me stands out uh, stands out the most was in the 2002 uh, season at home, and uh, you know like I said we had, we had a chance to uh, to secure our spot in the, the Fiesta Bowl to go play for a national championship. What a great opportunity that was. And, uh, you know, for me, it was, it was the last play of that game. It was uh, seeing Will Allen come down with the football on a, on a last-second Hail Mary by John Navarre to, uh, to seal the game. Because you know, up until then, uh, hard-fought game, physical back and forth. Uh, but they, they had the ball. They had the ball with a chance to heave it up into the end zone. And, and at that point, who knows what happens. On the last play of the game, pass interference, uh, something like that, you get a bad call or, or the ball gets tipped the wrong way and they catch it for a touchdown and it's game over. So uh, to, to finally um, have that moment uh, come to fruition, you know, where we, we work hard all summer, we work hard all throughout that season, you know, physically, mentally, uh, trying to show our toughness as a team. And uh, to kind of have it all culminate in that moment to uh, to know that that game was over, to be able to, and try to get across that field as the fans rush to get in the locker room and celebrate that moment together as a team. It was, uh, it was something that I'm never going to forget. Well, we won't forget it either, Craig. Um, you know, I, I actually watched that game in Las Vegas. I was uh, visiting for the first time my who, people that would become my in-laws. And uh, everyone was in the kitchen visiting and, and talking, and I was in the living room by myself watching Ohio State, Michigan, and uh, occasionally, you know, saying some words I probably shouldn't have been saying, <laughs> and uh, and enjoying it in the end, as as uh, as we all did. But uh, thanks again um, for for being with us and, and sharing your stories and uh, being on the Dubcast. And again, I know it wasn't just you, but I'm sure we all thank you from. Cross Buckeye Nation for that, uh, that amazing 2002 run. Well, thanks. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We we really are glad it, that you come on and, and share that stuff with us. My pleasure. It's always it's always fun talking Buckeye football and uh, you know reliving the, the memories and the experiences that I've been uh, blessed enough to have. All right, there you have it, Craig Krenzel joining us on the Eleven Dubcast.
Nothing but the best for rivalry week. <laughs> Joining us now on the 11 Dubcast, Bobby Carpenter, former Ohio State linebacker. Bobby, welcome to the 11 Dubcast. Thanks for being with us. Hey, it's my pleasure. You know, uh, it is rivalry week, and we wanted to make sure we had on uh, some outstanding guests such as yourself for this uh, this extraordinary week. It's uh, different than anything else that we have all season long. And we wanted to get your thoughts on Michigan because you have some special um, – unique experiences. I mean, uh, I'm talking now about, um, you know, starting the game but being sidelined through injury against Michigan. How tough was that to have to come out and, and watch the game from the sideline? You know, it was, it was, it was definitely very difficult. Uh, it was a season where, you know, we had national championship aspirations. You know, those got derailed early in the season. At one point we were 3-2, and two, you know, in rally, and we're going into, you know, the final game of the season against Michigan. And the chance to win a share of the Big Ten Championship and go to a BCS bowl game. And, you know, it was, it was one of the most talented teams I've been a part of. We had a terrific defense and, uh, you know, an offense that had been growing and getting better all year long. And it was tough. You know, we went in there and, you know, I obviously thought I was excited, stoked to try to go play a great game. And unfortunately, you know, you get one play in and it doesn't work out that way. You're going to be on the sideline. So, you know, the, the mold that I took the rest of the game was, how can I try to help? How can I try to help my team win? It didn't look good early on, but you know James Lernice came in in reserve. They played admirably, and you know the rest of those guys were able to help fill in and to pick up the slack and carry him along. And then watching Troy Smith you know work his magic with Anthony Gonzalez late in that game was something that's truly magical. Like I said I I had a, had a great seat for one of the you know, greatest comebacks and best wins in Ohio State history in my opinion. And, you know, unfortunately I wasn't playing, but it was a heck of a thing to watch. Well, I want to tell you something. So th- I don't want this necessarily turn into, like, this is your life or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> I, will, I do want to mention 2004 specifically because I was a sophomore at Ohio State in 2004. And that was probably, I don't want to say the funniest game I've ever watched in my entire life just because, you know, like, you know, Troy Smith, like, hitting the, what, the, the square button and, like, doing those spins every time uh, and getting out oh, of yeah. tackles. But – was that was that as fun to play in as it was for me to watch? Because I, going to that game, it was like like a like a I don't know like a, a morgue. Like people were like really really down on the team, at least in terms of the fans, because we were we were worried about the record. And then that whole game was like just this huge weight lifted off our shoulders. So was it as fun to play in as it was to watch? Well, I'll, I'll start off with this. You know, each each Michigan game I played in, that you know had had something different, a different experience, and. You know, it's kind of like having your having kids. You know, you love each one of them differently. And you know, two, four, and five, they all got wins, and all of them were they're special in their own way, in their own right. And that '04 season, you know, we started off. There was a lot of promise. We ranked in the top ten in the country. There was the first three-game losing streak Ohio State had had, I believe, since you know 1988, 1987. It'd been quite a while. And you know, there was a lot of angst around around the team. We rallied up. So we were six and four going into that game. And that's something I always try to tell people. We're six and four. You know, Michigan, I believe, was ranked, you know, in the top fifteen in the country. You know, they had won a share of the Big Ten championship. We were going to win a share possibly with that game. And we went into that game believing that we were a better team, that we could win. We you know we were young, but we were very talented. And it was just a matter of putting it all together. And we were finally able to do that. You know, and that was Troy Smith's, you know, coming out party, if you will, with him being able to go out there put the performance up like he did in a game against Michigan. You know, starting that game, 
We went down. We gave up two touchdowns back-to-back on defense on two long drives and did not feel good, did not start strong. But we're able to rally, you know, play well, not give up another touchdown until the end, the very end of the game. And that's a team that, you know, Jason Avant, Braylon Edwards, Steve Breston, Chad Henney, Mike Hart, I mean, they were a very, very good ball club. And then, you know, the Troy Smith show that he obviously put on was one for the ages. Now, Bobby, you mentioned, uh, you know, when you went out injured and James Laronitis came on for you, I mean, how ridiculous was the Ohio State linebacking core that year? I mean, you had so much talent. You know, it's interesting. You know, everybody looks at James, and James was a much different player his senior year than he was his freshman year. He was a good player his freshman year. He was more than capable of doing the job. But you know, he went in there and, you know, we had A.J. Hawk, you know, the guys, uh, you know, Lombardi or Buckus, you know, and all, all the awards that he won, you know, Anthony Schleigel, you know, third-round draft picks, two-year starter, middle linebacker at Ohio State, the played at Air Force, and myself, and Marcus Freeman. We had so many guys that could kind of provide some different things, but it's, it's tough for a young player. And James was able to go in there, and A.J. and Anthony you know, took a lot of the heat off of him. They were able to help him to get lined up, and James was always a very confident kid, but they made sure that he knew, you know, listen, you don't have to provide the production the Bible is going to provide. We'll pick that up. You just got to do what you're supposed to do, what you're assigned to do, and everything else will kind of fall into place. And mm-hmm. you know, he did that to a team, did a great job of it, and that was kind of the start. I said, you know, the one you know, great thing about that happening for me is you know, that catapulted James you know, do a great career at Ohio State. And, you know, it's tough for it to happen to me, but couldn't happen to a greater guy. You know, James is a tremendous friend of mine. And it was it was unbelievable to kind of see the start of him in that game and him grow and get to the leader and player that he became. So what, what's the, you know, seeing with the the Michigan theme, what's kind of the attitude around uh, the Woody Hayes Athletic Center leading up to that? Because, you know, we've talked about Urban Meyer. He's, got, he's playing his time for war like 100 times a, a day. Um, you know, was Jim Trestle like playing Lawrence Welk, or what? What was going on like in the <laughs> Woody's Athletic Center, like to get you guys pumped up? Well, you know, it, every coach does it differently, and you know, I've been fortunate enough to be around the, the program a lot here since Urban Meyer's taken over. And uh, you know, my brothers, you know, on the coaching staff, you know, Anthony Schlegel's on the coaching staff. You got a lot of you know, friends over there still, and they all kind of approach it, you know, in their own unique way. And, the trust put a huge emphasis on it. You know, him and Urban Meyer, you know, they, they both coached under Earl Bruce. You know, and then Bruce had obviously, you know, a full understanding of the rivalry and what it was all about. You know, a lot of the things that trust did, Urban Meyer does. And, you know, he even does some things a little bit differently. But, you know, both of them try to impose in their own unique way the importance of the game. And the fact that this is a game that can make or break your season, regardless of the records. And I think that's something that we understood in 04 is for 6-4, and four, being 7-4 and four really doesn't matter that much unless one of those wins is against Michigan. And I think Urban does a great job promoting that. He brings guys in to talk every year about the game. I've been fortunate enough to talk to the team a couple the last two years about the importance about it and preparing for it. And it's always being in your mind all year long because even though with the recent success, you know, you're, you're one game away from being embarrassed, and they, they almost experienced that last year. So it's been an exciting time. The trust put a priority on it. Urban Meyer definitely puts a priority on it, and that's why they play so well in those games. Bobby, if you were to huddle up with these Ohio State linebackers, uh, Curtis Grant, Joshua Perry, Darren Lee, and, and Raekwon McMillan, what, would, what advice would you give them going into a big game like this? Uh, you know, the same advice that Earl Bruce used to just echo upon us, 
every Thursday before the Michigan game while I was there. This is going to be one of the toughest, hardest-hitting, most physical games you're going to be a part of. You know, it's old-school football. Even you know with the newfangled offenses and everybody throwing the ball over the field, but the team that wins the battle in the trenches is going to win this game. And as a linebacker, you have to set the tempo up front. And I think those guys understand that. They've developed, they've grown. I'm so proud of the way all of those guys have kind of matured this season and been able to you know, accept their roles and become playmakers and really be leaders of the defense because that's what linebackers are. And you know, I try to you know try to tell them about that, make sure they understand it. But you understand that this is going to be a very physical contest, and if you can dominate physically, you're going to win the game. Plays will come to you. You'll find a way to get it done, but it all starts you know, with your physical presence. Okay, so this is totally going to break the flow of, of what we're building here, but if I don't ask you this, or at least talk about it, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> my greatest moment as a fan in Ohio Stadium was in 2005, when Ohio State was playing a revenge game against Iowa in Ohio Stadium, <laughs> and you sacked Drew Tate for like the fifth time that day, and he got <laughs> so mad, he spiked the ball in frustration, and 105,000 people all did that thing, you know, when a kid gets called over the intercom to go to the office, and everybody goes, whoa, 105,000 people did that at once. That was probably the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Can you please describe at least some of your feelings or reactions to that as it happened, because I that was one of the glorious things I've ever seen on the football field. Well, you know, there's a little bit of a build-up to it, and that's why I felt pretty good about the Michigan State game this year. Your football players, you know, by nature, are very proud individuals, especially guys right. that play at a high level. And, you know, if you look back at Michigan State this year, I think, you know, they were embarrassed by what happened the season before, especially the defense. And in 2005, that we felt we had circled that game against Iowa on the calendar from what happened in 2004. That was our third straight loss. We were in Kinnick Stadium. They, I think they hung 31 or 35 on us that day. They took a shot down the field late in the game, and everybody was very upset about what had happened. So we went into that game making it a priority that we were going to make sure that, that Drew Tate did not get off, that he did not have a good game, and we were going to be relentless stopping the run and relentless stopping him. And it was unbelievable to watch him to try to reverse field back into AJ. And I remember the play distinctly, reverse field back into AJ, the reverse come back into me. And I think you know, I was able to get the sack and watch him spike the ball, get mad, yelling at people. <laughs> AJ picked the ball up, handed it to him. He swapped it down out of his hands. It was, it was just an unbelievable moment. You know, he could fully you know, encompass the frustration that he had that day. And that's what we wanted to make sure happened is, you know what, you got the best of us last year. We remembered exactly what you did, and we were not going to let it happen again. That's beautiful. <laughs> that was a great moment. Um, I'm amazed at at how some players remember individual plays like that, Bobby. And and one of the things I wanted to ask you was what plays uh, or moments stand out to you from your games against Michigan. Oh, geez. You know, looking uh, back, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, from 2002. The Will Allen interception uh, late in the game, obviously to finish it off off of uh, Navarre was definitely something that was special. You know, I was watching that from the sidelines. But you know, fast forwarding, you know, a lot of the plays that I remember, and this is something that's probably you know because you know as a player, and you know, you tend to remember more of the bad plays than the good. I remember a lot of the plays against 
Michigan in 2003 up in the big house. Chris Perry taking jump cuts, a sack that I had on Navarre that I had missed early in the game. You know, it, it's just it's just things like that that kind of stick with you even to this day, and it frustrates you to no end. And I think you know, fast forwarding to 2004, wanted to make sure those things wouldn't happen. Whether it was you know stretched the outside, you know, I was able to get a TFL on Mike Hart, or I believe an interception. I want to say it was with Ashton Yabodian. So AJ and I both looked up and found Chad Henney, got him on the sideline, blocked him into the blocked him almost out of bounds, and then I think for good measure at the end, I know for a good measure at the end, I ended up cutting him, which was a penalty. It was illegal. They threw the flag, but we were up by <laughs> 20 points, and it's just like you know, buddy, I'm screw you. I'm sick of this. I'm going to make sure that you remember what exactly happened this day, and that you're not that great of a team. And you know, those are some of the plays that stick out. And then obviously, you know, the front, the the sideline seat, watching Troy make one of the most unbelievable passes and unbelievable catches with Anthony Gonzalez late in that game in 2005, with about 40 seconds left on the clock. I mean, it go up over it, and I can't remember what the defensive back was, but make an unbelievable catch. It was it was truly phenomenal. That's why you know Troy. I think they're they're putting him in the Ring of Honor this Saturday. I'm, I'm really excited to see it happen because I think it's going to be truly an electric environment from kickoff because of that because of him. Bobby, are you going to be there on Saturday then? Yeah, I, you know, so this is my uh, fourth Ohio State Michigan game. I will have attended as a fan. The first one was 1998. The last three events since I graduated: 2010, 2012, and now. And I'm, I'm very excited about it. The tunnel pride I saw in 1998, and I thought that was probably the coolest tradition that you could ever have at any university where you bring all your former players back and you look at the, the guys that are out there. It's a, a who's who of players at Ohio State, and they you know they, they line the field and to have the guys run through there. And in my, in my two years I was a part of it, I mean it was absolutely phenomenal. It was so special. So it's something that I couldn't wait to be a part of. And, Unfortunately, in 2010 and 2012, while I was still playing, I was able to get back for those games. And, you know, I've just been so excited to do it. And I'm so pumped this year to be a part of it because it's it's such an electric atmosphere. And you, you watch the guys and you see it in their faces as seniors when they run out. That's when you finally realize, I think, kind of the, how big this game is and the impact it has not only on the university or the city of Columbus, but really the entire state of Ohio and all of Buckeye Nation, that this is something that people circle on their calendars at the beginning of the year and live and die for every single season. Absolutely, and and we're looking forward to Saturday. And uh, we want to, of course, thank you for coming on the 11 Dubcast and sharing your thoughts on Michigan Week. And, um, you know, have some fun out there on Saturday. And, uh, you know, if you get a chance to – to give some advice to young Raekwon McMillan, you know, go for it. <laughs> I love talking, talking to Raekwon. He's a great kid. I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. He's going to be a very special player, not just because of his physical abilities, but because of his, his mental makeup and the maturity that he possesses at such a young age. It's a rare thing. and you know, it's, it's going to be exciting to watch his, his development over the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm about ready to run through a wall. It's going to be great. I'm, I'm excited for Saturday, man. This, this is going to be good. <laughs> Hey, well, I'm excited for tomorrow night. I believe you guys are not for tomorrow night, but Friday night. I believe you guys are going to be a part of uh, the Gold Pants. That's right. Yeah, that's right. The Gold Pants. Definitely a good time. 
Yeah, so I'm going to swing by. It should be uh, pretty exciting, man. Jim will show you about me some stuff. That's great. I'm glad you brought that up because you, uh, you know, we're we're helping to pay for the actual gold pants charms that that go to the uh, you know whenever Ohio State beats Michigan in the game. And uh, if fans want to get involved in that, I can tell you, I was at last year's. It was a great time. It's at the Woody Hayes Center in the Players Lounge, which is a phenomenal facility, and you get to see all the trophies and stuff out in the. Uh, atrium there and you know for $125 get in you get some food and drinks and you get to hobnob with former players and coaches <laughs> and it's a it's a great time so we're appreciative of that you're going to drop by and, and say hello to our uh, our 11 warriors readers well absolutely i mean how else are those guys gonna you know get their tattoos if they don't have their gold fans that's <laughs> <laughs> a joke that's a joke okay it's not you know being facetious there it's not serious at all too soon, Bobby. Too soon. <laughs> Mark Emmert just had like a big drop of sweat go down his back. Like, oh, God. <laughs> uh, Bobby Carpenter, thanks so much for being on the 11 Dubcast. And, and please come back and, and you know visit us again. Absolutely. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. Thank you. And holy cow, what a show we've had for you guys tonight here on the 11 Dubcast. Uh Craig Krenzel, Bobby Carpenter. We of course want to thank them for being on the show. They were fantastic, Johnny. Yeah, that was. <laughs> both of those guys are, are pretty high up there. I'm one of my favorite Ohio State Buckeye players uh, of all time. So I, I think that's pretty awesome that we got a chance to do that, especially in the same week and especially during this week, which is obviously the most important week of all. So yeah, that was cool. That was really cool, and they were really great. That's right. A big rivalry week deserves a big dubcast, and uh, we delivered. And of course, want to thank our friend. Good friend Matt Finkus for joining us. Finkus on football, new uh, segment here we're going to have on the Dubcast, so uh, thanks to Matt. And, uh, Johnny, we touched on this a little bit earlier. Before I get to the last question, definitely want to revisit the Gold Pants Social and the importance of that. Um, Maybe tell everyone a little bit about how they can get involved. Yeah, so the second annual Gold Pants Social is, is something that we're having at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center um, you are cordially invited to join. That's that's what we've we've got on the the web page there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So gold pants tickets uh, are one hundred twenty five dollars each. It includes food, drink, and most importantly, the contribution to the Gold Pants Club. This is for you know to kind of help out the actual football team, which is kind of cool that you get to do that. Um, you will be helping provide uh, for those gold pants charms that the players receive, and it's it's not just I mean, we do our charity thing, and that, that's a big deal for us. And, and for me personally, the you know, uh, our um, our Eleven Dubgate is the biggest event that we have. But this is cool too because I think it helps us stay connected with the program in a very real way. And as a fan, as we all are, um, I think this is a really cool way for us to contribute positively instead of like you know making snarky fart jokes uh, as I tend to do. Uh, all right. So, so this is a really great way to be involved with the team in a positive way. Um, you know, that's very sincere and, and a really great cultural thing. So, I, I really encourage you guys go on our website. You know, check it out. We got a lot of people are going to be showing up. Uh, a lot of food and drink. It's at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, so that's really cool. Um, yeah, I just I really encourage you guys to to come. So, uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun last year. Um, <laughs> And uh, I, I predict that it will be just as much fun this year, if not more. The cool thing, too, is, is getting to Hobnob with the uh, the former players and coaches. I mean, you know, some of the folks that are 
We already heard Bobby Carpenter's going to stop by. Earl Bruce is going to be there, John Cooper, Jim Lachey, Beanie Wells, Sean Springs. Who doesn't want to go up and give Sean Springs a big hug for that <laughs> that slip that he had in the Michigan game? Um, Kirk Barton, who is bigger than you uh, and me. He's bigger than everyone. He's, he's, and yeah. all of us put together, he's big. Uh, Bobby Hoying will be there. William White, Mike Tomzak, those guys go back a little ways. Uh, Tim Anderson. If you like punters, Ben Buchanan's going to be there. Well, i got to tell you something, and, and I want to say this, and I mean this with utmost sincerity. One of my favorite things about Ohio State fans is how much we do like punters. You know what yes. I mean? Like, it, And it's entirely thanks to Jim Trestle, but, man, I – I mean, you you were writing about the kicking team, uh, the kicking uh, squad or, or the core that we have yourself, Michael. And you know what? That is an integral part of Ohio State fan culture, and it should be because it is the most important play in football. And we've got we we have a great legacy of punters at this at this college. So I, I'm very uh, very pumped about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we do we have a punter. Um we have an excellent punting community and uh, camaraderie for punters. And uh, we have a soft spot on our heart for those who punt and those who long snap, in fact. <laughs> uh, at Ohio State. Also true. Because the, the punt is the most important play in football, as we learned during the Jim Trestle era. So, um, yeah, it was great to write about Cameron Johnston because he, he had a monster game against Indiana. And, uh, but it's great that, that Ben Buchanan's going to be there at the Gold Pants Social and some of these guys, Beanie Wells, Jonathan Wells, pretty much anybody named Wells is going to be there. And, uh, you, you know, if you want to talk to Earl Bruce or John Cooper, those guys asking questions, it's a good chance to do that. It's a good way to help the football team and the Gold Pants Club. And if you've never seen the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, it's an amazing place, and it's worth it just for that. It's worth the price of admission just for that. But it's not just to go see it. You also get fed, and you get some beer and, and soft drinks and that kind of thing too. So uh, please, by all means, go check out the story on 11 Warriors. Um, it may be on page two by the time you hear this, uh, but it, that's, that will tell you all how to sign up and uh, and be a part of it. And please act quickly because it – is expected to sell out spaces limited. Yes. So there you go. So uh, now before we get out of here, Johnny, want to ask you a final question as we do every week here on the 11 Dubcast. Do it. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. I'm always ready. So here's the thing. You are suddenly at the last minute asked to take home an Ohio State Buckeye for Thanksgiving dinner. They have to come to your house and eat you know, your food at your Thanksgiving. Okay. Who who do you invite over for your Johnny Ginter Thanksgiving? All right. Well, here's the thing. Um, we, we've had this guy on the Dubcast before, and he gave us an interview while he was barbecuing um, in his backyard. And he, he talked to us a little bit before, like his whole process and the, and the method that he, he has in his making food. So I'm bringing Big Daddy Dan Wilkinson over. Um, also, uh, you know, a big Cincinnati Bengals guy. So being from Southwestern Ohio, that, that means a lot to me. So I want big daddy coming over and yeah, he's going to eat all the food, but I don't care. Like he is a very gregarious man. Uh, he'll bring some barbecue himself. I'm cool with that. But let's get big daddy over the, the Ginter family Thanksgiving. I think that'd be fun. That is a good, that is a good uh, response. Um, I think I would stick, steer clear of like the linemen and the linebackers because I'm afraid I wouldn't have enough food. Um, to to you know make it through the the meal because those guys tend to eat a lot. I don't know if you know that they, they eat a lot of calories. 
Um, so I think who I would invite over is maybe somebody, in fact, like our good friend Cameron Johnston, <laughs> who is, uh, I think he's, he's not quite as big. He might eat like a more normal amount of food, and plus he would probably be amazing to hang out with him. He's Australian. He's got the great accent. He's probably got some fantastic stories about Australian rules football and, and you know, how he perceives our country. And, it, and at the same time, we could give him a little bit of history and culture and, <laughs> and, and you know, some of the traditions of, of the U.S. in, in our, our holiday. You know, so I think he'd thought. be a good one. That's a great thought because, I, you know, having lived in Japan, uh, there were lots of people, English-speaking people that I, you know, were friends with and I hung out with. Uh, most of whom were not from America, and we actually had a big Thanksgiving uh, when I lived in Japan. It was it was great to share that with people because it, it is a great holiday. It's a beautiful holiday, and it's a it's a pretty awesome precursor to the horrible, amazing beatdown that we were going to put on Michigan. On <laughs> so yeah, there you, you have the fun, you have the peace, and then it lets you like calm yourself for full rage mode on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, so that's good. And then hopefully next week we can be thankful for beating Michigan and being uh, the heavy favorites in the Big Ten Championship game a week from Saturday. There you go. So that's it. That's uh, all you get. I mean, I think it's plenty, don't you? I'm done. <laughs> I quit. I'm done. I gotta go to we couldn't possibly give you. We couldn't possibly give you a bigger show. Right. So uh, that's all for this week's 11 Dubcast for Hate Week. And uh, next week we'll be back to break down the Michigan game, talk about the Big Ten Championship game, And uh, in the meantime, I am Michael Citro. I'm Johnny Ginner. Peace out, everybody.